Take out your Bibles this morning and turn to Genesis chapter 23. Um, sorry, Genesis chapter 24, which is a super long chapter. We're not going to we're going to go through this in pieces uh, this morning. We're going to uh, just do the first nine verses of this chapter this morning. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles with you, you can turn the back of your order of worship, uh, which the the scripture is laid before you there, just to catch you up where we're at before we started uh, our four week series on Advent. Uh, we ended with Abraham losing his wife, Sarah. And Abraham's been in uh, Canaan for a while now, but he has no property. And so he goes to the Hittites and he buys a piece of property. So now this man who's been trusting God all along the way, we've seen his failures, right? He's not perfect. He's never supposed to be for us the perfect one. That's Christ. Uh, And this land is now his. He's purchased it. He's buried his wife. He's received the son of promise. Isaac was finally born to him. And yet there's some of those promises he's still waiting on. And so this morning as we pick up this chapter, uh, Abraham's now an old man. He's close to the end of his life. His son, Isaac, still doesn't have a bride. And so that's what he, this whole chapter is about, is him turning to find this bride for his son. And why is that so important? Uh, consider Israel as the first readers of this. Moses is recording this. He delivers it to Israel. They see, as they read this, several things that are important for them to note and for us. For we are also Israel, are we not? We are true Israel here this morning. Note that God is a God of providence. We've talked about that. He's the creator. He made all things. So God rules over all things and he's leading his people. Nothing happens by chance. It's God who controls it. They're to learn this this morning as Abraham still waits. In fact, he dies never fully having the land. It is his technically because God said it is. We need to trust Lord. Israel needs to trust the Lord. We need to trust the Lord. This same God, he hasn't changed from the beginning of the world to the end. He is the never changing God. So let us draw then from his word this morning as we look at the providence of God. Let me pray before we read our gracious God. Your word carries no error. It's perfect for our instruction Lord, that we might trust it when we hear so many different things in this world. This is truth. So help our hearts, Lord. Help us if our faith is weak. If it's barely holding on, help us in unbelief, Lord. I pray that you would give us faith to understand, that you would give us those ears to hear and to listen, that your spirit would be at work in us this morning, Father whether we've ever believed upon Christ or we love Christ with all our heart, shape us and form us that we might have the faith, Lord, that brings us to salvation. And so, Jesus, be made known. Use me, a man of weakness, Father, to proclaim the glorious gospel. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The first uh, nine verses of chapter 24. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, 
that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine, only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. This is God's word for his people. Amen? When we come to a passage like this, it's helpful to consider uh, the context in which it was written. Israel is going into that promised land, and here they're reminded of the care God takes over his people. And so as we see the providence of God orchestrating his redemptive plan to save a people for himself, we see how we're involved in this. See, what God's doing for Abraham, for Isaac, with this servant, it's not just a a, a random story and we move on, but it's a part of the whole scope of what God's doing in the arc of the, the whole of the Scripture. Because if Isaac, the son of promise, has no bride and has no children, then the promises of God are are made void. Because from this family, all the way back to Genesis 3.15, a seed, a son was promised that would come and crush the head of the serpent. And so, as the line continues, as the ark continues, it's not just about Isaac and a bride. It's about his child that Isaac's going to have. Jacob. And so it continues, and it narrows, and it narrows until it gets to the Son, Christ Jesus. So yes, it's important. It's important that we look at this and see, yes, man, Isaac has to have a bride. And so, we'll consider three things this morning as we look at the providence of God working out His plan. One, the faith of Abraham. Two, the mission of the servant And three, the work of God. First, the faith of Abraham. Hebrews 11, the great passage on faith, tells us this about faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now this accurately (laughs) describes the trajectory that Abraham has been on with his God in Canaan. He dwells in a land that is technically his, right? Because God promised it. And God has the authority to make those kinds of promises. But when 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 he looks around, he sees Canaanite walls and cities, and he only has a little plot of land, a field, and a cave where his dead wife is buried. And in his lifetime, he tells us he's old, he won't get to fully realize this promise of God. Verse 1 tells us he was old, and to be more pointed, it says, well advanced in years. This is a kind way of saying 
this guy doesn't have a lot of time left. In fact, you get the sense as you read this, as he sends the servant, look, by the time the servant comes back, I might not be alive. And so he gives them this specific instruction. Uh, in fact, what we just read is the last time Abraham is recorded speaking in the scriptures. This is his last words. His last words for us to hear, not just the servant. His last words to us. And this is the reflection of a man whose faith has been shaped and is finally uh, at the end showing us the full, uh, the full work God has been doing in him. So far, it says, the Lord has blessed Abraham in all things. And it is that blessing that he expects to continue for his son, who is the son of promise, who is without a bride. And the God who promises, um, it, it echoes in Abraham's heart. He, he hears those promises, and that's what gives him this confidence when he sends the servant out. The servant doesn't have that confidence. Abraham does. The promise echoing is that he would have a land and have a son and that through that line, and here's, here's the key that he's waiting on, through that line that all the earth would be blessed. That people of every nation, tribe, and tongue would be blessed and gathered. And so here we sit this morning because God ultimately finds a bride for Isaac. The details of the narrative are pretty simple. Abraham needs a bride for his son, and he sends a servant to find her. But in the instruction he gives to the servant, we learn of the kind of faith that is a model for us. He asks the servant to take an oath, and I'm glad we don't take oaths this way anymore. He says, put your hand up under my thigh. What's going on there? Well, he's, he's asking the servant to place his hand close to that sign that is so precious to Israel, the sign of circumcision that God has set apart in this world out of all the people, a people for himself, a bloody sign. You are mine. He asked the servant to make a promise. Promise you will not get a bride, he says, from the Canaanites. But that you go back to my land, to my own country, to my family, and find a bride. And this is the first sign of a remarkable faith. The way of wisdom, right? If you're living in a time that doesn't have trains or planes or uh, automobiles... It's 400 miles. He's asking the servant to go back 400 miles to go find a bride. Wouldn't it be easier just to look around at all the people and say, man, I could find him a beautiful Canaanite. There's plenty of women here. Abraham's faith would not allow him to do what was most convenient, but rather what was most obedient. God had given Abraham the land, but not the way of the land. And that's the problem with the Canaanites. Canaanites lived in open rebellion to God and serving other gods. And God had warned Abraham back in chapter 15, listen, I am going to visit these people, the iniquity upon their heads. These are a people that will be under 
judgment. These are people who sacrifice their own children before their false gods. They will suffer my wrath. That's a good reason for Abraham to say, don't get my bride from that place. Go back home. Really, it means to be set apart. Set apart to worship God and to be in relationship. And Abraham doesn't want to see his son yoked in marriage to a bride who has no regard for Yahweh, for the one who says, I am and there is no other. So faith is one. Uh, it, it is living uh, without compromise. A faith without compromise. That means often it chooses to take the way that is more difficult when there is an easier option. As Moses wrote this, it's instructive to Israel. Israel's going to land, and you remember what God warned them in, in Deuteronomy 7. He tells them, look, when you go into the land, and he says, I don't want your sons to marry their daughters, and I don't want your daughters to marry their sons. And he tells them why. Because if you do this, it will lead you away from the God who saved you into idolatry. And that's how it played out, isn't it? That's their problem. Even when they go into exile and come back, once again, they start marrying those who live in the land. It was their continual problem. They would not be obedient and would not trust God and believe in His Word. Faith is to be without compromise in this world. Our faith trusts in the providence of God. We see that in this passage. What does Abraham know of his God? Verse 3. He says God is the God of heaven and the God of earth. Now that's a loaded statement. That encompasses everything. The God that he serves is not some God that some guy down the street carved out of a piece of wood or hammered out of stone. This is the God who made the very stone and made the wood. He is the God of heaven and earth. That's, as he tells the servant, that's who I trust. This is the one who reigns over everything and providentially orchestrates everything. The Shorter Catechism calls this providence. This is what it says that means. The providence of God is His most holy, wise, and powerful preserving and governing of all His creatures and all their actions. Do you get it? R.C. Sproul is famous for saying, there is not an atom bumping into another atom in this world that God isn't orchestrating. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? So what about Abraham and this need for a bride and a servant who's to go forward? Faith. The God of heaven and earth goes with you. And this is his plan. So go with confidence. Faith isn't making something happen. Faith is in us making something happen because we believe hard enough. That's man-centered. Faith instead is entrusting our ways to the Lord. Elsewhere is said, trusting in God's providence helps us to be patient in every adversity, thankful in prosperity, and for the future, have confidence in our faithful God and Father. That is why Abraham says, go back to my country to get a bride. I know, listen, servant, it's 400 miles. It's not convenient. But this is 
how God would have it. And I trust him. Verse 7, he is confident that the God who showed him steadfast love and swore to him that his offspring will have this land will see to it by his own means. And the servant, I love this, he asks a pretty honest question. Okay, I hear you. But what if I go all the way there and she's not willing to come back? I mean, you're asking me to to take an oath before God. What am I supposed to do when I get there and she won't come? Should I take your son back there? Once again, we see how confident this man's faith, Abraham's faith, is in God. He learned his lesson, Abraham did, by leaving this land when he lied. He went into Egypt and he lied about his wife to Pharaoh and said, she's my sister. He's learned, don't go back. Don't leave the land God has promised. No backtracking in this faith now. If you can't find a wife, he says in verse 8, forget the oath. You're free. I'm sure the servant's like, okay, (laughs) good. You're free of the oath. Why can Abraham say this? His son still needs a bride. He's confident the Lord's going to do what he's going to do. Listen, if you go back, you're free of the oath. God's going to provide it some other way. Just like he did the ram in the bush when I was supposed to sacrifice my son. Boom, there's the ram. God provides even when you don't expect it, right? You've done everything. You've you've raised the knife slowly. Lord, do something. A ram. He expects the same thing here for a son. Faith is forward-looking. Not backwards. Don't take my son back to that place. God's given us this place. In fact, Hebrews 11 unpacks what this looks like. It says this, These all died, and it's talking about Abraham and Sarah, not having received the things promised, but having seen them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on this earth. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. It's saying he could have gone back. You know, he didn't get the whole land that God had promised. He could have gone back, but it says, instead, they had been thinking of the land. uh, uh, Sorry, I lost. They, They were thinking of that heavenly place, the heavenly land that they would receive. His faith was looking to a better land and a greater hope. No, Isaac shouldn't go back to where he came from, but should live in light of the promises of God now. And often, brothers and sisters, that's not knowing what tomorrow offers. Or looking around your current situation, going, man, where is God in this? Faith is trusting in the promises of God, looking forward, not backward. Brothers and sisters, have faith like Abraham. I don't often do that, you know, be like so-and-so. Have faith like Abraham. This is his last word to us. Trust God. Do not compromise with this world or the things of this world. Trust that he who rules heaven and earth and providentially provides for you will see to it that he brings you to the end of all his promises. We are not made for this world, but our faith in this world looks with eyes that can't yet see all the things that God has provided for us in his plan. So we are to have uh, faith 
like Abraham, and now we turn to the servant who has a mission. The mission of the servant. His mission is pretty straightforward, as we said. He is a servant who has been given a specific task with specific parameters. His only role is to be obedient in these things. Of course, this requires his faith, in which we will see in the following weeks as he actually goes on the mission and marvels at the providence of God as God all along the way shows that he's going before him. But he's going to seek a bride. Now, it's that word, bride, that is so important in the Word of God. You go back to the very first bride, to Eve. This one who God looked at Adam and said, he needs someone. And I'm going to give him someone who will be his helpmate, who will walk with him, uh, encourage him, and be for him uh, this helpmate uh, that helps him live in all the promises of God. And also from her would come the promised seed. How, how important the bride was. That the whole earth would be filled with the worshipers of God through this woman, right? That was the plan. And as we go through scripture, Israel's described as a bride of God. We see that the church is called the bride of Christ. That at the very end, it ends, you know, scripture opens with this story of of the bride and it ends doesn't it with the bridegroom sitting at the table with his bride and so the this this idea of the mission of the servant is important to go and to seek a bride so the servants to look for a bride that will not only love isaac but love his god and since this is the son for whom the promises will come the mission is of utmost importance and there's a lot of instruction here for Israel and for us as we read this passage. Israel is reminded that she herself was the bride that God came looking for. A bride in the far off land. The bride that was, uh, could, could not rescue herself. What does God do? But he sends a servant. He sends Moses, the servant, to go and to draw the bride out. And bring her out to a land flowing with milk and honey. Not to leave her there, but to bring her to the promised land. Just as Isaac was sent to leave Canaan, Israel wasn't to stay in Egypt. Moses' mission was to retrieve them. God works his will in his own time and by his own means. And it is important that those who are servants of God recognize this. God gives his servants missions. We are the servants of God, but the power rests in Him. John the Baptist knew this. The great crowds came and gathered and saw the work that He was doing. The servant who was sent before Christ. What was He doing? To go and to gather the bride. To call them to faith and repentance and to, to be baptized so that some were confused. They saw Jesus now working. They come to John and say, are you the Christ or is He the Christ? What's going on here? What's happening John the Baptist says, don't be confused. I'm the servant who goes before him. Never confuse me with the bridegroom. I am a friend of the bridegroom, and I am on mission, he says, to watch over her, to draw her out. And so God loves to send his servants, doesn't he? God sends us as servants. We've been praying about it. 
Uh, we've been talking about uh, how God would use us. What is the mission? What are we here for? What is the church to be doing? We, who are called the bride of Christ, are also to be sent out into the world. Often the world's called as the, the far off, the, 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 like, like um, uh, the bride who's uh, back in um, Abraham's land. We're sent on mission into the world. What's our confidence? What's our confidence in doing this? Look, you might not have any. You go, you're telling me to go and invite people to come to Christianity Explored. I get nervous around people. I don't have the words. Sounds an awful lot like Moses, by the way. He had the same kind of excuses. God calls us. Where's the power? Is it in you that, that or any of us, that Christianity Explored, this evangelism effort that we have coming up might be successful? Let me encourage you. It is not in your power. It's the working of God, right? The power that we see, the God of heaven and earth. But what has he done? He said, be obedient. Servants of Christ, you've been given a mission. Go. Go. The Lord goes before you. His spirit works. So when we think about the invitations that have gone out, when we think what might happen here, None of it may we take credit for, just that, God, you called me, and I've been obedient. He sends us into the world on mission. That's an honor, isn't it? Can you imagine Abraham, an old dying man, looks at this servant, and he says to him, I'm placing everything in your I'm entrusting you with my precious son. Would you go and seek a bride? Christ Jesus says to us, beautiful, right? Paul says, how beautiful are the feet of those who go preaching the good news. Christ Jesus has said, would you go and seek? Would you go on mission? He has entrusted to us this precious mission in the world that's amazing and it's not because you're strong for it it's not because he saw in you just man that's the most appealing person i have ever seen they are going to win so many souls now because he's also placed his servant in you the holy spirit called the helper the comforter the one who has the power to raise the dead that's what's at work in his servants who are on mission. That's good news, isn't it? What a privilege we've been given. And so we can turn now to finally see the work of God. We've seen remarkable faith. We've seen the mission of the servant. Let us finally consider the real power at work in our last point. The ultimate lesson here as that God can be trusted in His providential care over the affairs of men. Abraham knew that in all things God had blessed him. And as the Israelites read this, the very first readers of this, of this book, they have been reminded from Genesis 1 to 24, what kind of God is it that has been with us in the wilderness? Well, it's the God who can speak and from nothing comes something. Everything that we see and behold, by His will and power, He made it. Man, that's, 
That's the kind of wisdom we're entrusting ourselves to. Israel reads and sees then from the beginning, this is not a God to be uh, mistrusted, right? This is not a God to abandon because they read about Noah and how the world abandoned this God and and went away from him. So it's a serious matter then to uh, not obey God. He is serious when he says he is both at the same time a God of judgment and wrath and a God of salvation. He holds both out at the same time. And he rescues those who trust in him, as he did in the ark. What kind of God is this? Not a God to be trifled with as he divides the nations at the Tower of Babel. What kind of God is this? He is a compassionate God who draws Abram, as he was first called, out of a house filled with idolatry, out of all the people, and says, you're mine, and I make promises to you. What kind of God is this? Abraham Abraham shows he's a God who gives blessing. And now Israel in the wilderness, they go, yeah, I remember. It's the God who humbled the most powerful man in the world, brought him to his knees and rescued us out of Egypt. It is the God who can split a sea in half. We have seen the work of this God as we passed through and came to a barren ground where he caused bread to be there in the morning and birds to show up so we had meat. This is the God who has gone before us as fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. This is the God who promised us in Exodus that he would send his angel before us, right? So what we're reading here is like the Exodus all over again. The God who goes and gets his bride and watches all along as he fulfills his promises and blessings. Israel reads it and goes, that's the kind of God at work. And now as they enter the promised land, they see this walls crumble that they don't even have to strike with a sword or an army just by the shout. This is the kind of God that works and goes before them. What a powerful and awesome God. So in verse 7, Abraham encouraged his servant that God would send his angel before and that he will find his mission successful in finding a bride. God promises to be involved and engaged in all of this. And that's the kind of confidence Israel's to have and we're to have. This is the God who is at work in his unfolding redemptive plan. That if he'll see to these matters, if he'll see to Israel in the wilderness, if he'll see to Abraham, a dying man who needs a bride for his son, if he'll see to Isaac, then giving him a bride is the same God who will see all the way to the coming of his son that even those men... Right, who thought they were working in their own hatred and power and authority to crucify the Christ were only the working of a providential God unfolding his redemptive plan that even in the killing of his son, that no one can take credit for that, even the murderers. It was God who was slaying his own son for the forgiveness of sins. Yes, this is the God who is at work in all of the scriptures and it's the God that even death can't, can't keep him in the tomb. That he raises from the dead. Brothers and sisters, here we sit on the other side of the cross. And it is this same God that is at work in his redemptive plan. For it wasn't just Advent, the first one that we celebrated, but Christ is coming again. Will he see his people to that end? 
Will he watch over his bride? Will he take us up out of this world and have him for himself? He will. He promises. It's the providence of God at work, and he will see his people to the very end. He promised it. That's good news. That's good news for those who have trusted and taken faith in the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, who have looked to the Messiah, Jesus, that is the ultimate son, who will get a bride in the end. That's your promises. This morning you may go, Christians are weird. Uh, I don't understand all of these stories and why you guys go through them. Listen, it's all about the Messiah. All of this is leading to a Messiah. If you've never met Christ, maybe consider the providence of God. This morning, where two atoms can't crash together because God uh, has orchestrated it, right? They don't do it randomly. Maybe it's not so random that you're here this morning, but it's the providence of God have brought you this morning to hear that he loves his people, that he's given his son, Jesus, the son. And that's not just for those who have their lives together, right? Because no one does. They're hiding, uh, hiding the true reality. We need Christ, all of us. And that is offered to you freely in the gospel. Jesus Christ can be yours this morning if you'll have the faith of Abraham that is trusting in God's promises. And he has promised, my son whom I've given is for you. Believe in him and you shall be saved. Amen? Let's pray.